From Mountain Home to Raft River, we've got all the District 4 analysis you'll need to know. This is the Magic Valley PrepCast with Scott Burton. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, where we break down everything District 4 week in, week out. Brandon Bainey, pleased to be joined as always by Scott Burton, who's going by his alias today, Jimmy Dugan. What's going on, Jimmy? What's happening? Just uh, representing the uh, geez, the Rockford Peaches. Those that uh, are familiar with a league of their own, this is uh, Tom Hanks's character, Jimmy Dugan, and uh, sporting the jersey today. So glad to one be of, here. One of the most iconic lines in all of cinema, <laughs> and not just sports movies, but any cinema. Oh. There's no crying in baseball. Oh, they, I I don't think they realized the gold mine they had when that scene was shot it will live forever and ever and ever and uh it's just one of those things that uh, there, there, there's no crying in math class you know there's no there's no crying on the podcast you know whatever i mean it just transcends it's awesome that's right we'll try and keep it get uh, together today uh we we didn't have a show last week uh i got so with spring sports going on and five million things it's a really bad time to get sick and be under the weather so that's mm-hmm. We had sickness run through our household last week, and so uh, we had to take a week off from the podcast. Not because of anything Scott did; it was this was all on me. So yeah, usually it is me, but uh, not this time. <laughs> That's right. So uh, it's been a while since we've done this. Uh, if you uh, are new to the show, thanks for being with us. Each week, we kind of pick a couple of big stories from the Magic Valley. It could be four A, all the way down to one A, and we're we're gonna hit uh, pretty much. Uh, all the classifications in some form or fashion today. Uh, Brandon Bainey with Scott Burton and Scott likes to, especially as we've gotten into the spring and baseball season, he kind of, you have a lot of jerseys of uh, fictional baseball players and managers from movies. I've noticed. You have quite I, a collection. I've got the collection. Uh, I've got, you know, um, the Roy Hobbs Jersey uh, from the natural. Um, I've even got uh Check this out. If you even remember the old Rob Lowe hockey movie called Young Blood back in the eighties, I've got a Young Blood jersey. Uh, I, I've got uh, the play uh, Keanu Reeves character Shane Falco Falco's jersey. Yep, you bet it. And I'll I'll start sporting them a little bit. I just thought because we're talking a little bit of softball today that this is the closest thing I could get was a little bit of Jimmy Dugan. Yeah, it, it looks great. And so if you're watching the video version of this on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel or Facebook page, you can see this great looking jersey and that terrible hat that Scott is wearing, L.A. Dodgers hat. Uh, and if you're if you're listening audio only at IdahoSports.com, right across the top of the homepage, there's a, a tab that says prep casts. And then it's got a little drop down menu and it's got all of our prep casts that we do around the state. Uh, you can listen there or you can also listen wherever you download your podcast. So just type in Magic Valley Prepcast. It'll be right there. Hit that subscribe button. And then each week when we do a new episode, you don't have to go look for it. It'll just automatically be delivered to your favorite podcast vehicle. So however you're consuming this show, thanks for doing it. And uh, let, let's dive right in. You talked about a nice collection that you have at home of uh, memorabilia. Scott, well, Filer High School added to their collection of trophies last year when they won the 3a softball championship they came in as the defending 3a champs and uh, it, it hasn't been the smoothest ride yet for the defending champs in filer 
Uh, no, it, it hasn't. And uh, again, I marvel at your segues. Uh, <laughs> best in this. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it has not been an easy road for Filer uh, coming back. I mean, they've got seven returning players, I believe is what they have on the roster. So you think that they might be kind of picking up where they left off. But when you follow softball, you know that that pitching is a huge, huge part of it, even more so in softball um, than anything else. And they lost two college-level pitchers last year. So really, who they're bringing back behind them isn't going to replace what they lost in, you know, Samantha Taylor, who led all of 3A last year in strikeouts. You know, she's at Treasure Valley. Um, and then um, they also lost a, a C of I player, um, and that was uh, uh, McCarty Stoddard. So when you when you factor that those two are gone, that's a lot of slack for people to pick up. Because really, and, and, and it's funny, because one of the things that, that stood out at the way that Filer started the season was, okay, fine, you lose those two pitchers. That means with those two on the hill, or in the circle rather, there's not a lot of balls being hit defensively, right? Because they are really taking care of business at the plate. A lot of strikeouts. So defense really isn't getting a ton of work. Well, check this out. This shows kind of what Filer had to go through with some growing pains. There was a stretch earlier in this season, early in the season, where Filer committed 43 errors over three games. Wow. <laughs> Think about that. And so it's funny because, you know, um, their coach, uh, Buck Taylor, is a good friend of mine. And so, you know, talking to him about it, uh, it's almost like watching a, an absolute train wreck. And, and it got the attention of, of everybody. I mean, past players. Uh, community, coaches. Uh, I mean, everybody is just going, what in the world is going on here? So they kind of had this come to the light meeting and really focused in on, on that portion of the game. Because when you think about it, you lose those two pitchers. All right, your, your defense is going to have to make some plays now. And for the longest time, they were not used to doing that outside of practice. And so here they are. And so they've gotten a lot better. Uh, the energy's improved, and uh, their accountability is getting a lot better. So even though they're the defending champs, the growing that this Filer team is doing right now is is really like a brand-new team. And, and it's kind of fun to watch. And from a coach's standpoint, from Taylor's standpoint, it's kind of fun to see them play as well as they are and grow as much as they have. Yeah, so you mentioned the two. Uh, the good news is, hey, you know, we bring back almost the entire crew, you know, seven starters. The bad news, the two that left, as you mentioned, Samantha Taylor, McCarty Stoddard, they were two four-year varsity pitchers. And not only that, but like, for example, when Taylor was pitching, Stoddard would play shortstop. And, and they were also the two offensive leaders. I mean, of all the hitting categories, those two departed seniors led Filer in every offensive statistic last year. So you're talking about some big replacements and Filer, as we said, it, it's been an up and down year. They're 12 and 10 overall, but they're four and three in the conference, which puts them right within striking distance because we did a segment, a spotlight on the Gooding softball team a couple weeks ago and how great of a season they're having. It really is a, a dogfight right now with Gooding 
Filer, Buell, and Kimberly. All of them have all beaten each other this year, and the, the conference records are a little uneven. They were supposed to play nine conference games. They are supposed to play everybody three times. Well, Mother Nature and the, has messed with the schedule a little bit, but, I mean, if these are the standings as of today. Gooding, five and three. Filer, four and three. Buell, three and three and one. Kimberly, two and five and one. And everybody is kind of just beating up on each other. It's been really fun to watch. It, it, yeah, it's just fun to watch people beat up on each other. Um, just go to a Padre Dodger game. But uh, so <laughs> that is really indicative of how evenly matched that these teams are. Because when you get a team like maybe Filer had last year with the dominating pitching, you know, you can pretty much pencil them in because of their domination in the circle. Well, it's not there. And so now everybody's having to make plays. They're coming to hit have timely hits, play good defense, things that aren't factored in when you have that dominating pitcher. And for a team like Filer, I mean, they're, they're, they've got some good young kids that are doing really, really well. One that stands out is freshman uh, Mariah Thomas, who is finishing with one of the highest batting averages uh, in school history at the moment. And her, you know, just really doing a great job as a young kid having to step up in these kind of shoes. Yeah, a 515 batting average, which is, I mean, anything over 500 in high school is just insane. It's hard to wrap your mind around. I mean, that's more than 50% of the time you're you're getting a hit, and that's not even factoring in her on-base percentage, which is even higher than that. Yeah, and those two things right there um, are pushing the school record right now. You know, we'll see how it ends up as a little freshman. That's encouraging, you know, for Filer baseball. And, uh, you know, so they're, they're – uh, trying to fill those voids and uh, another, you know, when you talk about pitching a little bit, you know, uh, Filer's got a starting pitcher that moved back from Canyon Ridge, uh, Sid Snyder, I believe, and, and she hasn't thrown for a bit. So they're trying to get her going um, alongside another freshman, um, Pierce, who is throwing really well and maturing very well. So there are a lot of good young players on this filer team and this is when you talk about it's not a rebuilding it's a reloading year they are going to be poised to to be good for the next several years yeah it's going to be interesting i believe last year gooding won the conference title in the regular season and filer won when it counted they won districts and then ultimately won state uh we could be headed towards a similar scenario this year filer has a huge doubleheader coming up on thursday against buell and buell is another team that's kind of uh emerged from dark horse into contender status it's, it's funny to me because all of these coaches in the preseason said kimberly was going to be kind of the big bad team in the conference and yet kimberly is the team it's in last they're two and five and one in the league they're seven and ten and one overall yeah and i think that surprises everybody because i think a lot of people thought kimberly was going to maybe run the conference for the next four to five years and uh but you know run the conference and win the conference are two different things they can you know, lose these games here, but they show up to the district tournament and win those, then, yeah, they're still the the big dog on campus, you know. So, um, yeah, Kimberly is not really doing, I think, what a lot of people thought they would do. But what that's doing is it's giving a lot of confidence to these other teams that uh, this, this conference isn't dominated by Kimberly anymore. And any of those four teams could actually 
do some damage in the district tournament. It's kind of fun. And, you know, and, and you want to talk about a, a, a growing pain for young teams. Um, so at the start of this season, Filer was really kind of getting it handed to them, right? They were, they were getting embarrassed. They were getting embarrassed. And, you know, because they were the defending champs, they would show up and they would get everybody's best effort because they were the defending champs, right? Well, you know, we talked about their losses this year, you know, the, the two pitchers they lost and how everybody's starting to pick up the slack, blah, blah, blah. So what the coaching staff at Fiverr did to these girls was at the beginning of the year when they were just getting annihilated and embarrassed, they made the girls watch the other team celebrate at their expense and made them stand there and watch it and say, okay, is this what you want? You know, um, and hopefully that it resonated with them, you know, to like, hey, we don't want to see this anymore and we want to be the ones celebrating. And so I think that was really a strategic thing that the coaches did that made this young father team grow rather quickly. So I mean, I thought that was really interesting. And now, you know, we talked about the errors early in the season. They're making they're still making some, you know, manageable two to three game. Um, but they're hitting on all cylinders right now. Filer is hot. You're right. They've won five of their last six. The only loss was a 7-5 to five loss to Gooding in the second game of a twin bill. So they are playing their best softball at the right time. And as the defending champs, of course, they're going to get the best shot from every other team. And, uh, yeah, if you knock off Filer, the defending champs, uh, you've earned the right to celebrate a little bit. So um, it's interesting that that tactic uh, that they use to motivate these Filer players. This is a team offensively that, I mean, just isn't going to beat you with the long ball. Uh, you know, there's some squads uh, that will just crush homer after homer after homer. This is not that team. The leader on this Filer team in home runs is Jasmine Earl with two. <laughs> and yeah. that, that's that's half of the team's total. They've got four home runs total but i think that bodes well at state when you're seeing pitchers that you haven't seen all year and you know if you're playing a team from up north or over in the boise area you know it might be the first time you're seeing this pitcher period mm -hmm. and you you have to be able to to go station to station and manufacture runs that way right yeah no absolutely right and and that's what filer's doing it's not like they have a ton of power you know uh cameron barnes is kind of their linchpin and she, as she goes a lot of the filer offense goes um, but they are hitting line drives. They are doing it with speed. They're they're bunting. Uh, they're doing a lot of these things without power, you know, and it's working right now. And it's going to be fun to see which team is the hottest team going into the tournament because that is the team that's going to win it, you know. And you, you talk about the little extras that a team will bring into a season for motivation, um, you know, if you've been in the Magic Valley, uh, you heard about the, the the tragedy that kind of befell, you know, fighter softball when they when they lost, you know, Mia a couple of years ago to, to, to bone cancer. Um, little sister uh, Allie is hanging around in the dugout and and uh, kind of providing that connection, you know, to her sister. And so it, it's something that is really bringing this fighter team together. Uh, it, because it's funny how those little things do so much for a team and their chemistry and the sisterhood and the brotherhood of teams and just bring them together at the right time. And that seems to be working. And it was such a, uh, an inspirational story, a sad story, um, with, with Mia 
and it was just a couple of years ago. And you can still find the articles online that, that tell you a little bit about it. But, you know, one of the moments that, that Fyler Softball remembers uh, from her was when they basically found out that chemo wasn't going to work anymore. Um, Mia was like, you know what, then screw this. I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to be a kid. And she went to school the next day. And during this process, um, got up to bat in one of the games and, and hit the ball and, you know, tried to run on one leg. And, and it was just one of those moments that just made you realize that there are some bigger things out there uh, than sports. But when you can connect those two, that's power. And, and Filer has that. And, and Coach Taylor called it a little angel in the dugout uh, with Allie. You know, so it, it's there's a lot behind the Filer story. Um, and, and that's that's a big part of it right now. Yeah, that, that was a really sad time for the Filer community. Uh, that was back in 2018. Uh, Mia Treese, she passed away just over a month before her what would have been her 13th birthday. So she was you know, 12 years old, and that uh, was a tragic event. But now, as you said, um, they, they get that inspiration, and they, they get that angel in the dugout in the form of Mia's younger sister. And, of course, I, I always believe this, but I think Mia's also helping them out from above a little bit too, so. That's a, that's a great story for yeah. Filer softball. And um, as we said, we'll keep an eye on the defending wild uh, champs, uh, the Filer Wildcats, as they continue to navigate, uh, you know, this uh, new course of going through a season with taking everybody's best shot. It's, it's different yeah. to be a team that comes from the middle of the pack to win. It's different to be the top dog and, and do it again. So, Absolutely. It's harder to stay on top than it is to get there. Definitely. All right. Well, let's move to track and field. I was at the direct communications invite at Davis Field on the campus of Idaho State University in Pocatello last Friday. First of all, how cool is that? That, that this was a huge meet. 32 teams came from, you know, East Idaho, the Magic Valley, even Nampa Christian made the drive over. Um, it was a 32 team meet. It was long. It went like 14 hours. It was it was a very long, <laughs> very long day. But it was really cool. There was some great competition. And uh, after holding the meet at Highland the year before, they were actually able to use a college facility. And how cool is that to, to use uh, not only a college facility, but that's where the Big Sky Conference track and field championships are going to be in two weeks as well. So this is a big-time venue. Pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. And you talk about the, the small schools that went to this thing. And if you've ever seen the movie Hoosiers, um, I've got a Hoosiers jersey too. Maybe I'll wear that during basketball season. Uh, it's like when they walk into the big giant gymnasium that is like, oh, my gosh, this is insane. Well, that's how we all feel. Even at the 4A level, we walk into that place. That is such an impressive complex uh, and, and such a cool experience for smaller schools to get up there and do it. And you were there. Yeah, the weather was awful. <laughs> it was it was it was a downpour. Yeah, it was a downpour all day. It snowed uh, during portions of the meet. So, so the weather really was not fun but the competition was outstanding and really those the 1a schools that came from the magic valley impressed me the most carrie and hansen and oakley and, and and raft river those four really stood out to me in terms of you know they don't have the biggest teams because they're 1a schools right but the individuals they have at the top are all really impressive and you know, in, in bigger schools, you know, 4A, 5A track, you, you really have to have the numbers to compete for a team title. But 
um, at the smaller levels, I've found at least in other States that if, if you've got, you know, two or three, like really good athletes that are going to pretty much finish top three in all of their events, that's all it takes sometimes in one yeah. a track. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's really about scoring points. And I think we, you know, touched on this a little bit in an earlier podcast about how track works. Um, and if you can position your, your people, your athletes in the right positions, doesn't mean they're always in the best events for them, but they're in a position to where they score the most points. Um, and, and right at that smaller level, man, a couple athletes to just pile on the points is sometimes all it takes. Yeah, for sure. So uh, let's start on the boy side where, uh, how about this? Your champion in the 100 meter dash, Scott, and this had, this had Highland was there, a 5A school. The Pocatello schools were there, the 4As. Uh, so it was 5A all the way down to 1A. Your 100-meter dash champion on the boys' side came from Hanson. A Hanson Husky, Jacob Pittman, wins wow. the 100 with a time of 11.39, which, considering the weather he was running in, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, no question about it. And and that's one of the cool things about it, too, is, is you don't get that opportunity very often to compete against that kind of competition. You know, um, Hanson taking on Highland, you know, for that matter. You don't get that opportunity. And so what a cool experience for the smaller schools to go, you know what? You ain't so bad. I, I think I can beat you, you know, whatever the case is. And then they show up and they do it. Uh, very cool. Yeah, that was the highlight on the boys' side. Uh, another highlight on the boys' side, you know, this was a meet where they had the, it's not an officially sanctioned event, the the old four-by-one throwers relay. All the throwers got to go oh, out yeah. on, the, on the track and run the four-by-one and, uh, the Raft River boys won the four by one throwers relay. So, you know, we got to give those guys a shout out to Trevin, uh, Trevor Bankhead, Trey Whitaker, Talon Taylor, Lad Hansen. And you'll recognize those names from the offensive line in football uh, as well. Trey Whitaker wasn't an alignment, but the other guys were. Um, so that's always a fun event uh, as well. The old throwers relay. And yep. then uh, on the girls side, a couple of athletes stood out to me in the hurdles races. Addie Mitten from Oakley. Uh, she's becoming one of my favorite all-around athletes. So she's a great short hurdler. Uh, she finished uh, third in the 100-meter hurdles at this big meet, which, again, is, is pretty impressive considering the competition she was going up against. And I got to do uh, 1A D1 State basketball this year as well. And I got to see Oakley's boys and girls there. And Addie Mitten – was one of the toughest lockdown defenders I saw on the basketball court this year. She's just tenacious, and she has that attitude and that mentality of nobody's going to stop me. And it's translating to the track as well. So it's it's been nice to watch her in a couple of different sports have success. So yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of those things to where that mental game transcends into different sports. If you're a tough kid, then you're genuinely just tough in everything, you know. And from those smaller schools, you get people like Mitten, who's just playing everything and doing everything. And they're bringing that same mentality. And, you know, and we've talked about how those smaller schools are kind of the lost gem uh, in today's society anymore, because they are the last of really kind of the farm kids, the blue collar, you know, small town country kids that really know how to handle hard work and adversity. You know, you get into a lot of these bigger schools and, you know, they don't handle it as well. But that's why I love the small town Idaho and, and places like Oakley, because they bring that type of mentality. 
Yeah, that was a lot of fun to watch her in the hurdles races, and we'll get back to the hurdles in a second, but also some great distance uh, performances. Jessica Duran from Wendell finished fourth in the mile, and Allie Black, the great runner from Raft River, finished seventh in the two-mile, which, again, is impressive considering you know, you're going up against 3A, 4A, 5A schools. And then Allie Black was also part of Raft River's winning um, long-distance relay team, that 800 uh, medley. Uh, Raft River won that as well, and Allie Black was a big contributor to that. So um, she's going to be a, a distance dynamo at the 1A state track meet coming up later this spring. She'll be one to keep an eye on Jessica Duran from Wendell as well. So the, the final performance I wanted to touch on was Shaley Smith from Cary, and she is a tremendous hurdler. Now, typically in the hurdles, um, you're usually good at one or the other, right? Because it's a, it's a different skill set almost. The short hurdles, the 100 or the 110s on the boys' side, it's more about quick burst and quick twitch. Whereas the 300 hurdles, they're, they're further apart. You're relying more on your leg strides and timing things up. And so generally, you know, you're really good at one or the other. Well, Shaley Smith is awesome at both events. And she had kind of a tough day. So what happened was they ran the 100 hurdles kind of earlier in the morning. And she was in the very first heat. This is one of those meets where they submit their best times and then they get seated according to their time. So the first heat is the eight best hurdlers. And Shaley Smith was in that first heat. She was in uh, either lane four or five, which means she's got one of the best times coming in. And in that first heat, they run it. And it, it was close between her and a girl from Marsh Valley, but it looked like to the naked eye, to me at least, it looked like Shaley Smith had won that heat. And generally, if you win the heat, you're going to win the event because you're going up against the best hurdlers. Well, all of a sudden there's a delay and people are milling around the track because of the inclement weather. It caused a glitch in the automated timing system that they use to time these events out. And so they were like, boy, we're, we might have to switch to hand timed, you know, for all these events. And they were trying to figure out a contingency plan. Well, they were able to get the automated system back up and running. And they said, okay, we're going to rerun that first heat. So her win gets wiped out. Well, they're lining up to get ready, and it's just a downpour, and everybody's wet, and all of a sudden you hear the gun go off twice for the false start. It's Shaley Smith, and she gets disqualified. Now, see, where I'm from in Montana, if you, if you, if you false start, you get a second chance, and then if you do it again, then you're gone. In Idaho, it's pretty, pretty harsh. One, one and you're done, huh? Yeah, oh, it is. It's it's always been that way. Which you know, when when you think about it too, it it does shave tenths of a second because you you if you know you've got one to give, right? You're going to try to time the gun and maybe get that tenth or two tenths start, right? Well, in Idaho, you can't do that, so you are you are literally waiting for the gun. But in this particular case. I mean, I don't know. It, oh, my gosh. I don't know how they let something like that go. You know, that, that just that just doesn't seem fair to me at all. They run it. She wins it or she's there. And but that's not good enough because of a timing error system problem makes absolute no sense to me whatsoever. So, I mean, that, that was heartbreaking to go from winning oh, yeah. the event to no time getting disqualified on the false start 
And that could have kept her down for the rest of the day, but she still had a second hurdles race to run the 300 hurdles. And fortunately, you know, this was a long meet. So a lot of time passed and she had time to, uh, I guess, either ruminate on it or, or put it past her, but she comes back for the 300 hurdles and she takes second place. She runs a clean race and she only finished behind a girl from North Fremont. Um, so her ability to battle back and not pack it in, not shut down after the mental anguish she had just suffered. Um, and to, to finish second again in a race that featured Pocatello, Blackfoot, Century, Highland. I mean, these big schools for her to come back and take second overall, uh, that to me said a lot about her competitiveness and, and what type of athlete she is. Oh, no question about it. I mean, it, and it goes right back to what we were talking about. I mean, I think a lot of kids under that circumstance would have just folded up and gone home, you know, or mentally, just not recovered from it. Um, but it's says a lot, like you said, to block that out and realize that is done. It is over. Forget it. And now we got to move on to something else. And she was able to do it. And it's that toughness mentality. And, you know, and if you're and kids are out there listening, man, I tell you what, it, there is no substitute for being mentally tough. You, it makes up for so much physical, physical inadequacies and lack of talent if you are tough. Um, and that's a great example of it. Yeah. So we'll be keeping an eye on Shaley Smith and the Kerry Panthers as they uh, continue their track and field season as well. But uh, it was kind of cool to see, uh, you know, Hanson and Kerry and Raft River and Wendell and all these yeah. great schools represent themselves really well at this really big prestigious meet. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, and, and, you know, I'll give credit to Oakley. Uh, this, this meet didn't get over until the, you know, they ran the four by four, the last event, it was like nine o'clock at night. And there was like, literally like four teams that were left. All the buses had left already. most of the teams were like, forget it. We're not running the four. Oakley ran the boys and the girls four by four. They hung around and stuck it out and said, Hey, we, we came here to compete. And, and, you know, Raft River did the same. So, um, that was really cool to see, you know, even like Pocatello and Century, like local teams had already packed it in and said, nah, forget this. We're going home. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and oh, toughness, toughness, <laughs> right. Look who's hanging around. That's right. So that, that was kind of cool to see them, uh, continue to battle and, and fight it out. So, um, all right, before we get out of here, uh, we wanted to touch on the recent news. Uh, you know, this is speaking of baseball season. It was like Ridgeview and Canyon Ridge pulled off a trade, right? Sean Impameni, yeah. who was the yeah. football coach. And then he was the athletic director at Canyon Ridge. Well, he leaves to go to Ridgeview, right? He's going to become uh -huh. the new football coach at Ridgeview over in the Boise area. And then conversely, Ted Reynolds, who had previously been the athletic director at Twin Falls High School and had left to become the AD at Ridgeview, well, he's now coming back to Canyon Ridge. So Canyon Ridge and Ridgeview kind of just swapped ADs for the next school year. Yeah, they did. Kind of a funny, funny deal. It's kind of a running little tease, you know. So you, you hired Impamenti, um just to take his job. <laughs> you know, and that we, I mean, you know, the people in place, that's obviously not what went down, but you know, Canyon Ridge is getting a, a, a good one. Uh, Ted Reynolds is one of the most accomplished ADs in the state. I mean, he's done it for 19 years and uh, he was the AD and VP at Bonners Ferry uh, a while, a long time ago. He did that for eight years. Um, then he was at Middleton for six years and then he came to Twin Falls High School for three years. Um, but problems there with the financial twin ran into a financial nightmare um 
at the district level when when Ted was there, and it, it was so bad uh, that they asked Ted, you know, hey, we we don't really have the budget for two athletic directors in the district, you know, um, do you want to be the athletic director for both Twin Falls and Canyon Ridge? And that's an impossible ask, but it was that's how bad financially Twin got themselves into. Um, and Ted said, I can't do that. I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be fair. And so that's why he left and a job at Ridgeview opened. And that's where, you know, he took off. But you know, the problem was his, his wife still lives down here. You know, she works at the Robert Stewart middle school in Twin Falls. They live in Kimberly. And so Ted's kind of doing this thing. And when this opened up at Canyon Ridge, man, he jumped all over it and you know, they, like I said, they got a, a really good experienced guy with Ted Reynolds. Yeah. He's uh, on the IHSAA board uh, right now, which is, uh, you know, that, that speaks to uh, his background um, because those, those are limited slots. Right. Um, and that helps. I think that's going to help Canyon Ridge out a ton. It's, it's interesting because he's going from one that, I mean, Ridgeview and Canyon Ridge are kind of in similar situations right now where they're, they're among the biggest 4A schools, but they are some of, and you know, it's it's not for lack of effort, but they they are some of the least competitive, right? I mean, typically Ridgeview and Canyon Ridge across the board struggle compared to some of their other counterparts. And so he basically said uh, when he's at Ridgeview, he had appealed to stay down for two more years in 4A, and he said, look. I know I've got two years to, to fix this thing and turn it around. And then we're going to go up to five a, and I, I have a plan and I think we're going to be ready for that. Well, now he can come to Canyon Ridge and implement a similar plan because Canyon is, you know, they're right there on that borderline of that five, a four, a line. And it's kind of a similar thing where he can maybe take some of what he was planning to do at Ridgeview and apply it at Canyon Ridge. Yeah. You know, Canyon Ridge is not going to be four a for much longer. The problem with them is they're, they're at five, a numbers right now. They had to petition down to stay 4A, and it was, you know, a couple of reasons. The competitive equity that you just talked about is, but what conference are they going to belong to? There's no 5As around here, so they were going to have to belong to either the SIC in Boise, or they're going to have to go east and be with Highland, um, and and it just didn't make sense financially, and so they petitioned down, and then coupled out with the competitive equity, uh, this cycle they're going to stay 4A. Now, what happens next time around? I don't know, because, you know, you may have Twin Falls and Jerome joining them. Who knows? You, we, we don't know. But it is coming for Canyon Ridge. Just don't know when. And if you're going to put an experienced guy in there, a guy that's won the 4A State AD of the year four times, I think this is the guy that you want in there. Definitely. Are you, do you think that'll happen? you think Twin Falls and Jerome are, are getting up there too? I mean, I know – Everywhere in Idaho, the big metro areas are getting more and more populated with this yeah, influx. I don't know, man. It's it's just one of those things to where, you know, it, it's it's like inflation. It costs of goods are rising. Enrollment is rising. You know, do we keep the pay scale the same and let the costs of goods and everything rise, or do we rise with it? And and if you rise with it, then then the numbers are going to change. You know, and so it, I'm interested to see really how the IHSA is going to handle that, because, you know, if we keep the number and the cutoff lines where they're at, everybody's going to just go through the roof. So are they going to start raising that bar a little bit to keep kind of where we're I don't know. We'll see. Um, that's going to be interesting. 
that'll be a good off-season podcast for us, Scott, because I've, I've kind of said that I think the numbers need to be tweaked and need to be adjusted a little bit in terms of what constitutes a 5A school versus a 4A school because um, you're getting big ends and – I mean, 1A is getting humongous and 5A, 4A is getting large and that 3A, 2A middle class is getting smaller and smaller. So, yeah, well, and that's that's one of the things that, you know, they try to do when they balance those numbers, too, is to to keep those classifications somewhat equal, you know, to where there's not 50 schools in 5A and 15 in 4A. I mean, they got to balance it out somehow. So the lines have got to get drawn somewhere. But it definitely is a topic of discussion. And I will say one more thing about Ted. Uh, I'll give him massive props because when I first got hired as the AD in Jerome, um, Ted, when he was working at Middleton, my sister was the AD at Eagle. And so they knew each other. And I used that connection to reach out to Ted and say, Ted, hey, man, you got any knowledge you can bestow upon me? And so that summer before I took the job, I mean, a dozen times or so, I was in his office eight o'clock in the morning notebook open and he is just vomiting ed information on me as much as he could and man i learned a lot from him just i didn't understand what any of it meant you know uh so i had to take everything he said and sort it out put it in boxes and and eventually when the boxes made sense i could open it up and go oh i know exactly what he was talking about but i really owe him a lot for really helping me kind of get my feet wet uh, in this job, um, with all of his experience. So I wish him the best at Canyon Ridge. I mean, he's got some work to do there. Um, but, uh, like I said, he's a good man for the job. Yeah. It'll be uh, nice for him to come back home, so to speak in that great basin conference. That's a good group of ADs there, uh, across mm-hmm. the board in the, in the great basin conference. So, uh, may- maybe Ridgeview and Canyon Ridge can start playing each other in football every year. We can have the, the Reynolds Impo bowl. Yeah. No kidding, right. <laughs> That's funny because you know, before Ted got there, we, well, I mean, Ridgeview is still you know new, but Ted really worked to establish a, a connection down here, you know, with with the school. So we've we've got him on our basketball schedule now, and you know we're we're participating in in baseball and softball with him. So you know, and a lot of that's Ted's doing, just reaching out down here to the people that he knew, and said, hey, let's let me get out of the Boise Valley and let you guys play somebody out of the Magic Valley. And we're like, absolutely. And Ridgey's been great for that for us. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Well, we went a little longer today, but that's all right because we, you know, we missed a week and we'll, we'll be back again next week to talk about more exciting. I already, I already have a topic lined up. Uh, it was too late to get it in for the deadline for this week's show, but we've, we've already got something to talk about next week. It'll be uh, pretty exciting. So oh, good teaser, good teaser, Brandon. Yeah. You'll have to stay tuned to see which athlete and which team we're going to talk about next week. I'll just say it's, one of the more impressive performances we've seen this season in their respective sports. So uh, be sure to stay tuned for that next week until then for uh, Jimmy Dugan, Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey, and uh, we will see you next time on the magic Valley prep cast on Idaho